Americas on ESPN Plus is presented uninterrupted by Expedia. Se metió el perro y se metió el poli, se le escapó, cuidado con el perro, a ver, agárrenlo, agarre del perro, agarre del perro, ya lo fueron al azar. Ya está, ya quiere, quiere jugar, que meta el gol el perro, que meta el gol el perro, sí, llévatela. No, no se lo puede quitar, no, este está jugando mejor que... ¡Oh, qué bárbaro! ¡Qué bárbaro! El quiebre completo, Chelis, este jugó mejor que algunos en el partido, eh, vean, no puede quitársela, que venga Canavaro. Tiene el completo control de la silueta, no, nada más no puede que ser quiebre, que, ole. No puede ser que en medio de 10 no ¡Ole! ¡Ole! ¡Chelis, que alguien lo agarre! Fútbol Américas, live, underway, and together here on ESPN Plus for episode 288. Can you believe Woo! it? Fine show on a night full of trophies and dogs out of Liga MX Expansión. How about that moment? Yeah, um, looked like a defender. Well, I'm not going to say that. Didn't look like a defender I know, but definitely uh, was doing some, some damage. Felt like a uh, you got concacaft. That's what it was. Liga Expansión. You definitely got contact. Did you hear Chelis? That's Chelis who was on in the, the commentary. Yes. No way. All right. That's for uh, Alebrijes, Oaxaca, and Dorados. Uh, I had over three and a half. You're a sicko, bro. Team total. Alebrijes in that one. So, you know, you just want, if you want, if you were curious, you know, kind of what we were interested in. What's, what's, the, what's the over under on months on Rafa's first steps? Um, <laughs> I go three and a half. Three and a half. But that's not how it works. You no? I walk at three and a half months. No, three and a half months from now. So oh, now. <laughs> okay. People don't care about this stuff. Uh, coming up on this edition of Football Americas, presented by Expedia. Uh, of course, we're going to be talking Campeones Cup, which just wrapped up LAFC and Tigres. Tigres winning in a penalty shootout. We're talking Open Cup final as well. No Messi, unfortunately, as uh, Inter-Miami couldn't get the job done there against the Houston Dynamo. We got some Sounders TV, Herc. Uh, your former club going through a rebound. And uh, in an edition of Players Gone Wild, we will check in on Cruz Azul and a scandal brewing down in Liga Mekis. But let's start with one of our favorite tournaments on the calendar. It is the U.S. Open Cup, the 108th edition of the U.S. Open Cup. And unfortunately, no Messi, no Alba. There's Messi just before the game started, showing up in street clothes. So neither of the two stars in the 18, still many stars in attendance, hurt. Zinedine Zidane amongst them. Sisu's there, all the stars are out. 24th minute, Houston Dynamo. Bright start, Griffin Dorsey, the finish. Yeah, listen, Griffin Dorsey does well to strike this, but uh, Drake Callender gives up his post. He's gonna want that one back. Few minutes later, Inter-Miami in more trouble. Down one nothing, DeAndre Yedlin commits the foul. DeAndre Yedlin's too experienced to go down this way. Give your goalkeeper a chance. Amin Bassi makes it two. James Harden. James Harden. Who is a Houston Dynamo owner, for those who don't know, celebrating. Lionel Messi worried. Stoppage time. Inter-Miami back on the board through Joseph Martinez hurt. Yeah, too little, too late. Joseph Martinez using his strength there. Five hole. Get one back. Two to one. Last chance for Inter-Miami. Campana the header. Yeah, it just wasn't meant to be for Leo Campana all night. Just very frustrated and, uh, well, Messi knew it, that was the one. No Messi, big problems, no trophy for Inter-Miami. As the 
Houston Dynamo get it done by a final score of two to one. Second Open Cup victory for the Houston Dynamo. They won it back in 2018 as well. Let's hear from a defeated Tata Martino postgame. No era prudente que juegue, está claro, ni siquiera para considerarlo algunos minutos, eh, porque corríamos riesgos. Y sí, él va a jugar seguramente antes que termine la, la liga y a partir del de partido de la previa del partido de hoy iremos partido a partido definiendo la situación para ver este, en qué momento el departamento médico nos dice que él está en condiciones de jugar sin correr en riesgo. All right, so the Houston Dynamo end up winning the U.S. Open Cup, but Herc, I think really the story of this one is no Messi, and we knew it even before the game. There wasn't even a doubt. He wasn't on the bench. Maybe we would see him, maybe we wouldn't. And I think it, in many ways, certainly for the neutral, took the air out of the game. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's a very enticing game, right? It's a very enticing story. Oh, it's a final with Messi, a chance it's to the lift the trophy. right? Like, Messi comes in, saves Inter-Miami, the worst team in the league, gives them a title, potentially a second title at home. The stars are out. Everything's lining up. And then this happens. It may have been a surprise to many out there. Certainly wasn't a surprise to us. We had stated a few shows ago, there's something going on. Messi's not right. He plays against Ecuador mm -hmm. and then doesn't play against Bolivia. And they're like, well, it's the altitude. He didn't play because of the altitude. Well, didn't play the next game against Atlanta. Well, it's the turf. And they're like, look, he's on the side. Look, he's going to play against uh, Toronto at home. 36 minute, pulls himself out. Well, it's just fatigue. After 13 days, we're, le we're led to believe it's fatigue. And what's worse here is Major League Soccer and their protocol, if you will, or, or, or the way they don't mandate teams to disclose these injuries like the NFL does, for example, right? So we're here just taking the word of Tata Martino. We're here just taking the word of the medical Why do you think Tata Martino played it so coy? I mean, it seems that, like, obviously he wasn't part of the preparations. They couldn't have, they weren't planning on using him today. And yet Martino himself came out and said, you know, I'm not going to share this information. Yeah. That, could, that, that could that could impact how to the his, opponent approaches. Exactly. To and, and, and that's fair, but I mean, like... It was very clear that Messi was never going to play. We're on day number 20, right? Yeah. And he's played 36 minutes in those 20 days. It's clearly not something that's old scar tissue. It's something that he hurt during the Ecuador game, and it was lingering, and he felt it. He tweaked it during mm -hmm. the Toronto game. Um, I'll defend Tata Martino here. Every single NFL coach that's obligated to disclose mm -hmm. these injuries, and every single NFL team would rather not if they can choose. Right. You're giving the opponent uh, a peek into the plan. You're giving the opponent insight. You're you know why they have to do it, though, right? For gambling purposes, yeah. of course. Especially of course. when you're taking money, which is what which most which is, leagues do Which is gambling. what Sportsbook are doing, doing today on Inter-Miami. So I ask myself, why isn't Major League Soccer obligating these teams, Inter-Miami, to do this? Mm -hmm. Because all you're doing right now, the worst part is that right now it's gambling. It's people who willingly gamble their money away. But there are lots of people who are hoping Messi makes a trip to Chicago, who are hoping Messi makes a trip to their hometown. Or, or they made the trip tonight or to they Fort Lauderdale. To Fort Lauderdale. Yeah, I have right. friends in Los Angeles who made a trip to Fort Lauderdale hoping to see Messi. Hmm. I'm hoping these things are disclosed. I'm hoping they don't think, well, we need to keep people tuned in. We need to keep the eyeballs going to keep the circus going. It's, Messi's not a circus. So Messi's we, a human being. He's a player, and he should be treated as such. If we focus on the game a little bit, I certainly felt like, especially in the first half, Inner Miami was just dead, right? Like right. they had no energy. The stats were, were something overwhelming. 18 shots to one in the first half. No Open shots on record. goal. 
um, for Inter-Miami. I wonder how much of that was the fatigue of the amount of games that they've played, maybe catching up to them as a group. But then also, and, and you would probably know how this would hit more, is the psychological impact of maybe they even internally, maybe some were holding out hope that Messi would play, would maybe be available. And then on top of that, you don't have Jordi Alba. I mean, to, to not have both of those guys. We know Inter-Miami can put together a decent performance without Messi. But you take both of those guys out and... If you say that Messi not being in the game took the wind out of the stadium, like those two guys not being in the lineup, Inter-Miami looked who was, like they had nothing in that first half. Who was the decent performance without Messi? What, what, what game was that for Inter-Miami? Who was it against? Because this, yeah, this Houston Toronto, team... Toronto, right? Right, because this yeah. Houston team is fourth in the oh, West. Oh, and Sporting Kansas City, they got a win. Well, okay, there yeah. you go, Sporting Kansas City as well. And, and if you recall, there was, it was a little bit circumstantial in that game. There was, Anyways... Um, Tired legs, I can buy a little bit of the tired mm-hmm. legs. I saw Houston play against Sporting Kansas City, a 10-man Sporting Kansas City, and Houston looked like they were tired. And they ended up losing that game, right? Houston's a team that has given up 35 goals this season in Major League Soccer play. 25 of those goals are away from home. I think it's a, a, lot, I think it's a combination of the inexperience for Inter-Miami, those players, being under the lights in a big moment without that superhero, if you will, and those tired legs. Absolutely, but... You could see it in Drake Callender early on, shaky moments. Yeah, you thought the goal was kind of on him, the uh, first the goal, goal? Absolutely. Yeah? Absolutely. Yes, yes. Uh, he's going to want that one back 10 more times, and 10 more times he's going to have that. He's going to have it on his post. It wasn't, it wasn't up high as you might have think, like, oh, he roofed. I thought it was across him upper 90. No, it was it near was post near and post, yeah. mid-level, just a little above mid-level. Drake Callender himself would say, this one's on me. I could have done better. Drake Callender had a routine grab that he spills, and then he makes a ridiculous kick right. save on. It was just that type of day, that type of night for Inter-Miami. They looked slow. They looked second best. And against the Houston Dynamo team that is intense, that believes. Right and is using every single piece of its inner Miami's at home as motivation, of course they were going to take advantage of you. Uh, one final note on Messi, just because I think it's worth kind of painting the picture of how extreme it is, again, that he's missing time. The last time he missed a final that he was available for was the Champions League final in 2006. He was 18 years yeah. old. So if this guy is available for a final and anywhere near fit, He's going to be on the bench, Herc. To your point, I think it, it tells us that this is maybe much more serious than certainly anybody is hoping that's attached to Inter-Miami, but even us, I think, on the outside looking in because without him, the things around him lose yeah. a lot of their importance. And, and that happened to this game tonight. Tata Martino made the, made the correct choice. Could you imagine uh, Joseph Martinez scores that goal and there are four minutes left? Everybody's screaming, get Messi on, get Messi on. Right. You know that if he's not ready to go, you can't get him on. You can't appease the people by keeping him on the bench because then you set yourself up for failure for that type of criticism. If he was healthy enough to take a penalty kick, to take a penalty kick, he would have been in, on that sideline. He would have been on that bench. Mm-hmm. But he's not. And that's got to make you think with five games to go, how much can he give you? Yeah. So the Houston Dynamo then get it done uh, 2-1 over Inter-Miami in the U.S. Open Cup. Uh, let's push it forward to what's next for Lionel Messi, because there is an MLS regular season that still has to be played out. I mean, at this point, are we shutting him down? Listen, man, um, soft tissue injury, a muscular injury like that, they don't just go away. Mm-hmm. And I can tell you from experience, the, full time, the first time excuse me, you feel something like that, it feels like an electric shock. And, the, yep. and if you've never, yep. or if you're never not accustomed to that feeling, um, 
and it stays there and it lingers and, and it prevents you from feeling 100% and as a footballer you're never 100% but if that hamstring if you will limits you and what a hamstring does it slows you down so he doesn't feel right that means you can't kick the ball you can't sprint you can barely jog you just don't feel yourself if it's that and it's a muscular injury like that it's something you got to completely shut down it's not like well let's keep going 60 percent and i'll get away with it because my 60 percent Lionel messi is better than everybody else's 100 percent that's not how it goes so it's a case where you may need to shut him down it's 20 days right now it was 13 days when he felt it against toronto it's seven more days there's a chance to see him maybe but i think you've got to think long term here you don't want of these want one of these things where at 36 years old he has something that's chronic and may linger into next season so i guess it's just how much of a chance you think you have at the postseason right because as soon as you're eliminated from the postseason you're not playing him at all no right and, and here's the thing and if you recall the Beckham years, mm -hmm. um, when postseason came about for the LA Galaxy, it wasn't a postseason. They went tour to Asia. They went tour to Australia. I could see Inter-Miami trying to take advantage of this messy hype train. And guess what? Tour to Asia, tour to Australia. They will do things like this. So with these tours come a lot of money. How much are they willing to gamble uh, will remain to be seen. But I said it uh, earlier, I believe, in the week on ESPN Deportes mm -hmm. uh, when they talked about... Messi, what he's willing to do for the team. Listen, Messi's bigger than MLS. Messi's bigger than the Open Cup. Messi's bigger than CONCACAF. Messi's bigger than Comnebol. You don't pressure Messi. Messi doesn't owe us. He doesn't owe the footballing community or the footballing world anything. When he's good and ready, he'll be back. I'm looking at their schedule coming up here. They got New York City on the weekend, October 4th, Chicago, Cincinnati, October 7th, and then you've got Argentina World Cup qualifiers. Yeah. So another chance to go off for two more games. I mean... You know, and then Charlotte back to back after that. Yeah, I, I I don't think that's I don't think that's happening. You think they're regretting playing him against Toronto? Um, I think that it's very difficult because Messi's going to play when he wants to play. If he thinks he's fit enough to play, he's. But going the reports, I mean, the reports out of ESPN Argentina now are that he felt it at the end of the Ecuador game. That's why he's held out the Bolivia game. That like Inter Miami had already made the decision to hold him out. Hindsight's twenty twenty. I understand that, but. Seb, when you're a footballer, they always... If say, now you're going to tell me the regular season doesn't matter, you should have saved it all for the, when, for the Open As a final. footballer, they tell you, they tell coaches, save footballers from themselves. Mm -hmm. Because if you ask me, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, I'm okay. I want to go. Now you're talking about the greatest player who's ever lived. Like, how are you going to tell him he's not ready to go? It's a tricky situation for Tata Martino because Tata Martino can act like he's the man in charge at Inter-Miami. He's mm -hmm. not. The man pulling the strings and calling the shots is messy. Yeah. And I think one thing's worth noting that he doesn't really have an injury history so much as like muscular injuries adding up. But I'm sure you would acknowledge that as you get older, there's a chance that that could become a thing. Chronic. And next year is such an opportunity for him here, the league here with Copa America, a full season of Messi is really, that's your dream scenario. So to put that in jeopardy in any way, for a half chance at an MLS Cup playoff run, when you're still 14 I'd love, to, I'd love to think that it's only the powers that be at Inter making this call, but I'm sure there's a lot more vested interest in, in Messi's well-being than, than just... Actually, Miami. you know what my conspiracy theory hat was, Let's my thought it. was today? Well, so first of all, nothing should be played at the same time as the Open Cup Final. You know how much I love the Open Cup. I love the Open Cup Final. It should stand alone. The Open Cup. 
I should say. Not only is Campeones Cup tonight, but we have MLS regular season games on tonight. Yeah. Those are both on one streaming service. Lionel Messi and Inter-Miami were on another streaming service that isn't involved with the league. Maybe the league said, hey, come on, don't put your show on over there when we got games going on over here. That was what my conspiracy thought was. You think so? No, no, but since you, <laughs> no, not at all. But since you, it popped no. into my head. You know how my brain works. No, but since, what I'm, since what I'm you trying mentioned to, what that I'm the, to the say, league would have an influence on, on what Inter Miami is doing. You don't, you don't think somebody at Apple is going to be like, yo, um, what are you guys doing with Messi? You guys need us to send a, a good doctor over there. You guys need, need to send a right. specialist. Right. Like, can we, can we get this guy checked out by somebody who's? And I'm not saying they don't have competent people in Inter Miami, yeah. but there's there are people with. Or, or entities with major interest on, in his health here. Um, so it's, it goes much more than just uh, Tata Martino and Inter-Miami. Well, listen, it does go more than Tata Martino and Inter-Miami. It goes to Ben Olsen and the Houston Dynamo, who actually won the trophy tonight. And I think what's, what's interesting here, and I think why they're able to beat Inter-Miami in the end, the scoreline doesn't really suggest it was soundly, but I think, you know, you watched that first half and you felt like the Houston Dynamo were pretty much in control. This is not a team, and this happens a lot in the Open Cup, that has a bad MLS regular season then kind of like limps into an Open Cup final. This is a, a good team that's probably going to be a top four team in the Western Conference right now. Uh, and they came in hot to this game. And honestly, their midfield, yeah. um, with Aceace and Carrasquilla and Basi kind of loading in that 10 spot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's good, dude. It's good. And, I, and I'll say this as a DC United, you know, longtime fan and observer of Ben Olsen as a manager. Uh, he got a lot of shtick as, and, and he got a lot of criticism because of the way those DC United play, teams played. And he was, I think, really just trying to make them functional and trying to, to, to get results. Now that he's got some pieces, Benny Ball is a lot nicer to look at, and I think it's a credit to him. Not just Ben Olsen, and you know, uh, Ben Olsen is, is one of the good guys mm -hmm. in this game, um, but certainly not immune from criticism. There was a lot of criticism when he got the job at Houston. Yeah. Let's People see. thought it was an underwhelming hire. And it was at the time. Yeah. But he's proven everybody wrong. He, not only Ben Olsen, but Ted Siegel, the, the owner, mm -hmm. and the amount of money he's invested in that stadium, trying to renovate that stadium, invested in stars like Ache Ache, you know, Hector Herrera, and Hector Herrera himself eating crow uh, from, from many pundits south of the border here in the States about his health, about his fitness, about what he can produce at this level today at his age. And here he is, second in the league yep. in assists. 14 assists, assists right? So far this only behind Thiago Almada, who's a World Cup winner. So uh, I, I love what Benny's doing, he's giving certain players a second lease on life. Corey Baird, who was mm -hmm. an afterthought after he left LAFC, around Salt Lake, you know, promising career to LAFC, and it kind of just kind of tanks, if you will, after that trade, finds himself in a situation where he finds somebody who believes in him, like Ben Olsen, and this team makes it difficult. This team is very good at grinding out results, good in transition. Carrasquilla, since... This summer has opened a lot of people's eyes. Hector Herrera is playing as well as he can, given the circumstances. Mm -hmm. We're not seeing the Hector Herrera of old when he was with I mean, he's, he's played himself from outside of the Mexican national team picture to back into it, whether and, people like it or not. And I would say the same for Ben Olsen. Ben Olsen was an afterthought, and now people are paying attention to this mm -hmm. Houston Dynamo team, who last year was the third worst team in Major League Soccer behind, that's, that's, I mean, that's not, behind San Jose and your beloved D.C. United, yeah. which was the worst team in the league, and now they're fourth in the West, 
and won the first trophy available to him. It's a remarkable turnaround, but it's so MLS. Like, that happens all the time in Major League Soccer. That's fair Houston. to say. Not to Houston. That's fair to say, right? Not to Houston. What do you think the ceiling is for this team? Like, could they make a run? In the West, I, I could see them making a run to the final. I still think the winner of MLS Cup is going to come out of the East. I think by far the, the class of the leagues over there. But I could see this team so, getting out of the West. This is very reminiscent to 2005 when I was in Major League Soccer with the Galaxy, how we used Open Cup. Um, mm -hmm. as kind of that trampoline or that springboard into getting us, giving us that momentum. And we made it as one of the last seeds into the playoffs um, and ended up winning the double, you know, against the New England, New England Revs. So this is one of those things that can give you that confidence, show you that it's possible. And once you're there, listen, if you're a hot team heading into the playoffs, you know how this league works. Nobody yep. wants to play against you. And you know what? One thing about Houston that's worth noting, especially because right now they're on the line for top four, but if they can get home field for a couple games. It's a tough place to play. So it's so people know that Houston is hot. And yeah. in the summer, it has its impact because it's very hot. But teams that come there are also in their own summers, wherever they are. So they're accustomed to the heat. When the, when the heat in Houston really hits you is in the fall, when especially, you know, teams from the Pacific Northwest, where in the fall it's, it's 50, yeah, 60 it's degrees, <laughs> you come down and now it's, it's humid still. That's when that, that, that real heat, that home field advantage can play play an impact for Houston. So congratulations to the Houston Dynamo, man. Hopefully it gets people in the group. stands because when those people are in the stands, it's, it's a crazy atmosphere, but it's been a while since we've seen it that way. Absolutely. So uh, no Lionel Messi on the field today, right? So no pursuit of his jersey, but we have seen that often throughout his time in Major League Soccer. It's oftentimes a chaotic pursuit uh, of that uniform. Our good friend and colleague Eric Gomez has more. When I was like holding it up and stuff, I was like, oh my gosh, so you could smell the cologne and the feel of it. Todo el mundo me preguntaba a qué huele Messi. Eh, no, 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 no lo olí, pero estaba, tra estaba transpirado, obviamente no lo iba a oler. Siempre decide tener la camiseta de él, eh, más después de un partido así, toda transpirada. Please welcome the world's number 10. Lionel Messi has taken MLS by storm since joining Inter Miami this summer. And while fans and media have rightfully indulged in Messi mania, even opposing players are getting in on the act. Once the final whistle blows, they seize the chance to get a special keepsake. What will be a storyline after every game? For some, the chance to swap jerseys with Messi happens somewhat naturally. But for others, it takes some planning. So Hani Mukhtar actually came up to me a few days before the game. I was like, hey, man, like, are, do you want to trade with Messi? And I was like, well, if he still has his jersey, I'll ask him. We shook hands, and I said, cambio. Sí, fue cuando él sale contra nosotros, que, que hacen el cambio, y justo yo estaba por patear un tiro libre, y ahí dije si, si me dejaba su camiseta. Y, y nada, me dijo que sí. Trading jerseys with his World Cup teammate, Lionel Messi. Nada, yo en la selección nunca, nunca se la quise pedir ni nada, ni molestarlo, así que nada, estoy muy contento de, de tener su camiseta. Or sometimes two can snag the prize. Él se la había cambiado en la cancha con Tiago y bueno, eh, como todos los jugadores solemos usar dos playeras durante un partido, una en el primer tiempo y otra en el segundo. Eh, le di la mía y me mandó una a mí que, que estaba, estaba transpirada, así que la, la usó él. While Messi usually swaps jerseys with his fellow compatriots, there have been exceptions to the rule. But 
you have to be fast. It was a couple minutes after the game, you know. I was kind of surprised he started his shirt on, to be honest with you. I was like, all right, I got to shoot my shot. All I really said was, ah, Messi, uh, camiseta, por favor. He kind of looked at me like, where's yours, in, in a sense, because I had Drake jersey on. I give you one inside. I, this is Drake. I guess I was lucky enough that we didn't have too many uh, Argentinians on our team at the time. <laughs> it's one thing to acquire such a prized possession, but where do you keep it? Yeah, I got it in a safe. <laughs> I'm gonna frame it and I'm gonna try to put it in the living room. I don't think my fiance is gonna like it, but everyone has to see it. Great stuff from Eric Gomez. Lionel Messi's old team, Barcelona, in action Friday, 3 p.m. Eastern Time. Right here on ESPN Plus. Coverage starts at 2.30. Barcelona against Sevilla. La Liga right here on ESPN Plus. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code FIRSTTAKE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more, more than, than ever. ever. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to gamble responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. This U.S. promotional offer not available in D.C., Mississippi, North Carolina, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369 for New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. For Massachusetts, 1-800-327-5050. For Iowa, 1-800-BETS-OFF. For Puerto Rico, 1-800-981-0023. For West Virginia, Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. First bet offer for new customers only. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. In partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. The U.S. Open Cup, not the only trophy handed out on a Wednesday night. No. <laughs> oh, Downtown no. Los Angeles, things got crazy. Uh, the Falcon did eventually track down... Tigres, what was that? Logo shield. Logo shield. Early chance here for Quinones, tipped over the bar from Crepo. Yeah, it's a good tackle, good shot. Crepo, I think he gets a touch on this and then crossbar? Yeah, it looked like a crossbar. Some danger late in the first half for LAFC, taking on uh, Tigres in the Campeones Cup, but it's Cristian Oliveira whistling it wide. Yeah, Oliveira does well between two players, can't wrap his leg, or his foot around this one, just wide. Frustration as it was scoreless at the half, 60th minute. LAFC on the attack, Oliveira again, Nahuel Guzman with a stop. Yeah, Nahuel Guzman does a good job just being patient, standing up, being big, being tall. Things get very interesting here, 63rd minute. Palacios going into the book for a second time. He down, LAFC down to 10. Yeah, it looks like he just clips Sebastian Cordova right there, picks up his second yellow, he gone. 
15 minutes later, LAFC attacking despite the fact they were down a man. And Danipa Wanga gonna bury it, but Noel Guzman says, wait a second. Perk, what happened here? What's, what's Chiellini doing? <laughs> Chiellini dribbled out a, a dead ball? Is that what happened there? So no goal uh -oh. on further review. Oh no. Figueres go down to 10 men here. Carioca, the guilty party, straight red. Yeah, uncharacteristic giveaway by Carioca right there. He's forced to take down Denny Bawanga because he, he's off to the race. So that's probably going to be a goal. So they finish 10 apiece. Proposed subbed off for McCarthy there. So a goalie change ahead of the penalty shootout. Also a kerfuffle hurt ahead of the penalty. I love me a kerfuffle! Siboldi uh, taking exception to head of security, putting his hands on the coach, and then, well, Tillman. What, what did he say about Mexican teams? I forgot about. What was that versus Leon? At one point, I was hyping Timothy Tillman up. I might have to take that back. Uh, Ryan Hellings had another poorly taken penalty there. Big save from Noel Guzman. John McCarthy, you had one job! That's why you were subbed on, in theory, right? And Tigres was another one. Tigres. Raise yet another trophy as they win the 2023 Campeones Cup after a penalty shootout over LAFC. Actually, the second time they've won the trophy, going way back to 2018 when they beat Toronto FC in Toronto 3 to 1. Herc, you and I were there. We were at that game. We were, we've been at every single game but this one. As uh, memory serves, well, but we're not too far away here at the uh, downtown. They're close to our hearts. LA Studios at ESPN. All right, Herc, so time for some. Tele Tigres, Tigres TV. You love it, don't you? They got it done. Just about, I mean, you know, they had a, a man advantage for what, 20 minutes? Couldn't no, really take advantage of it? 15, 15 minutes around there. No, it was um, at least 15 minutes. I mean, this is what Tigres does. Late in the game in a final against LAFC that was kind of fading, I would have thought that they would Kind of fading? You know Tigres paid, played midweek against their bitter rivals, mm -hmm. Monterrey. They didn't rest players like LAFC rested players. LAFC what rested Tigres got coming up on the weekend? Mazatlan? Mazatlan. So you can we'll just you beat Chivas. Okay. <laughs> Producer Beto. But LAFC is in a much more important part of their season. It is, it is crunch time for LAFC. You is an important part of their season? I mean, Tigres plays for the trophy at the end of the year in Mexico. You know that. You know what Tigres does so well? You think Tigres is so worried about where they finish right now? Yes. You know what Tigres does so well? They manage games. They manage finals. Mm -hmm. There's no team in Liga MX right now that I would bank on in a final more than Tigres. They know how to play these type of games. This is what they do. The mind games for Noel Guzman. The organization from the back line. Siboldi, the timely substitutions. Andre Pierre Gignac, who may be 36, turning going on 48 years old, mm -hmm. but can still give you 100 plus minutes. Guido Pizarro, that columna vertebral, if you will, that spine of the team. They just know how to play these type of games. All right, fine, I'll give you that. We all know Tigres' record. We all know that they know how to play these type of games. We also know LAFC's record in yeah. these type of games. There that's is why you obvious, didn't bet on them, and that's why I didn't bet on them. There is the obvious exception, of course, of the 2022 MLS Cup against the Philadelphia Union. But there are a lot of examples of LAFC in big games not getting it done. So you can say that you know that this was Tigres, but you also knew, and we said it in the last show, that this was LAFC. Did that part of LAFC show itself tonight, or was this just... It did. Uh, part of it, yes. Uh, how naive they were at times. When? 
Where? Well, Palacios getting the second yellow. Right. You know, it, you, you have to when you know. got help around you there, right? You you, there's, need no to do need. Yeah. there's no need. There's no need. But you mentioned the big games. I mean, RSL, first round knockout, right? Uh, they're yep. one of their first years in existence. First and, season. It, and then Western Conference final against the Seattle Sounders, where they were heavy favorites at home. Okay? And then it was the first CCL final, albeit two Tigres in a neutral venue in Orlando. They blew the lead against so Tigres. So what is it? Out. And then it's the second CCL final. And mm-hmm. then it's the League's Cup quarterfinal I, that they're up by two goals you know, I would at love the to, Rose Bowl. I would love to point to Bob Bradley as the reason that's happening. But now it's a different manager. So why does it keep happening? Because it's not even the same players. I mean, we're talking about, you're talking about 2018. I that's five Honestly, years ago now. That's a totally different roster. Do you know why I trust? Do you know why I trust Tigres so much? Mm. Because it's the same protagonist or participants, right, right. every single time. Right. Go back and look how much turnover, turnover. Excuse me. There is in every single yep. moment for LAFC. Yep. They turn over. They bring in the new. They bring in the better. But it doesn't necessarily translate to identity. It doesn't translate to personalidad. That personality. That the character in the biggest of mo- moments. Listen. John Thorrington and LAFC do a great job of putting together a roster. They really do. There's mm-hmm. some very good players. But the Seattle Sounders have a bit of what that Tigres team has. They've got those tried and proven players in those big moments that you can bank on. How many of those players do LAFC have? Well, they have one. They have the, the number one guy who it should be is Carlos Vela. Oh, yeah? Tell me his moments. Well, today there weren't, and I... No, 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 no. Tell me his moments. I just mentioned all those games where they choke. Tell me his moments. What? Carlos Vela's moments of choking? No, no, no. I'm having a big game for them. No, that, and that's what I'm saying tonight. So if we look at tonight's performance, if we just look at tonight, like, this is the game where he... This is why you have a Carlos Vela, right? Okay. To go up against a Mexican team with an opportunity to win a trophy. Now, everyone's going to say, well, Seb, you always say that Carlos Vela in the big game doesn't show up. How would you rate his performance? What would you describe what he did or did Disappointing. I think he was disappointed when he came off. Because you're saying that... He looked kind of disgusted when he came Who on Tigre's roster gets paid more than Carlos Vela? Gignac. Okay, that's one. Who else? Nahuel Guzman right now, probably. And then Nico Ibanez. You have to realize that if you go, they get paid net there, not gross. And if you look at the type of players right, we're they getting have, the weeds. You know, you no, know my point. Weeds. It's he, not the weeds. Carlos Vela's at 2.5 right now, I think, for... for all right, a few years ago, Carlos Vela was at 6. Okay. And there's nobody I think that's making more than that. Junyang. He was at four five, He was at 4.5 net. What I'm trying to tell you is, I understand what you're saying. The big... The big players who can pay the big bucks, mm-hmm. bucks, excuse me, have to come out in the big moments. That's not been So how many moment. more big moments does LAFC have to go through with Carlos Vela, whose contract, by the way, is up at the end of the year? And I'm sure internally there's this discussion happening. How many more moments do they have to go through before they say, this isn't the guy, or at least we can't pay him like he's the guy. we got to find somebody else who does do it. I don't think they're paying it. him like he's the guy anymore. And I think the next contract, what if he's... Hey, man, with how limiting the MLS salary cap is, you don't think a $2.5 million DP hit is, is, is major? No, because it's the same amount whether you pay him $2.5 or $25 million a year. It's the same mm. amount against the cap. What I'm trying to tell you is I don't think the next contract is going to be something like that. And I think Carlos Vela himself knows that. Carlos Vela is, I think, 34 years old. Obviously, coming to the latter part of his uh, career, I thought last year was a decent year for him, and they mm-hmm. won MLS Cup. Now, the two years before that were injury-ridden for him. That was the case. Yep. He, he had like 11 goals in two years. You know, uh, He had injuries in his quads, hamstrings, et cetera, muscular injuries. It was a bad moment for him. But if Carlos Vela stays with LAFC, I think it's a compromise by both, excuse me, both, and he's doing it with the intention of 
finishing out his career. So obviously we're here in studio, but I want to bring it back to the game and specifically the atmosphere because we had a, a couple of reports from people that were there on site. One was that the stadium was about 80% full. Now they did announce, I think, over 20,000 20, in attendance. Yeah. What does that stadium hold? 22? I don't know. That's a good question. 21, 22? Around there. Yeah. Something like that. Uh, we also heard, more anecdotally, that the atmosphere inside the stadium was not great. I'm sure there are some reasons you could share with me about Los Angeles why that's the truth. I would suggest that it has to do with this tournament, with this, not tournament, this event, this Campiones Cup, which I think okay. it's fair to question at this point, especially in light of CONCA champions. Now, we're now going to get even more Liga Mekis for MLS. Leagues Cup, which we just finished up and was every bit of Liga Mekis against every bit of MLS, stuff you, you know you didn't need. On top of that, we got U.S., Mexico, and friendlies. Open Cup. Gold Cup. Say Open Cup. Nations League. Do we get U.S. versus Mexico in, in Open Cup? No, no, no. Just so, games saturating the calendar. Well, but my point here is that Campeones Cup specifically, with everything else like it, what's, what's the point of it anymore? You know, is it still necessary? It's not. And I'll go back to what I was saying at Open Cup. Because you have you saw MLS games today, you saw Open Cup games. We saw we've seen Leagues Cup recently. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've seen Champions Cup or CCL, Concacaf Champions League. If you look at LAFC's schedule, LAFC <coughs> would have just played eight games in thirty days, mm-hmm. a span, right? And if you look at Tigres' schedule, it's six games in twenty days. Those are a lot of games. Now add in Seb mm-hmm. the FIFA fixture dates. We're seeing this at the world's level with the elite in the Premier League and Pep Guardiola talking about how his players are dropping like flies and, and it's it's impossible to keep up. I think, but I think there's it's the same thing when you add these these cup fixtures to it. There's a key difference here. There's a key difference here. Pep Guardiola has literally a blank check to go out and spend and build a team as deep no, no, as no, he no, needs. No. Now, not as deep. Did you see him today against Newcastle? It's not as deep. No, no, no. Very different than what MLS is doing. And what's happening in MLS... But they're suffering the same way. Now imagine in this region of the world is what I'm trying to tell you. Right, and so that's why I'm saying, if you think about LAFC, they played 44. This was their 44th game this year. I think last year in totality they played 40, 41. Right. So imagine if they were to make the playoffs and go on a run. They could play almost 60 games. I mean, this is... Especially now with a the, with the three-game playoff series. So we have an incredible amount of games, and you have rosters, and this is something that LAFC has talked about before. I don't think Steve Trundolo is talking about it now post-game. He has talked about it in, yes. in the post-game of defeats, and I've been critical of him for it because you don't want to hear it after a loss. Right. But it is difficult for MLS teams to build a roster that then can, can compete across a League's Cup, and what, when you add Open Cup, now you can add it because now that is the MLS responsibility. That is, that is too much, yeah. and I, I think th- the nice thing about this is that it was a one-off shot to get the best of Mexico against the best of MLS, but we, we now have that with League's Cup. Yeah, yeah, and in some cases, and Mexican teams experienced it in League's Cup, the travel that is within the United States is, is pretty bad, right? Right. Uh, people don't realize it. They just think you're on a charter flight. They're professionals. They should get used to it. It's very difficult changing time zones, mm-hmm. east coast to west coast, changing plane surfaces, grass to turf, changing temperatures, you know, uh, a, a dry 60 to a humid 100. Back in Mexico, like what's the reaction to this tonight, you think? On ESPN Deportes, what are they saying about this tournament? Well, I can tell you from just being on social media right before we started mm-hmm. this show that a lot of my 
colleagues, our colleagues south of the border are celebrating this. Like right. this is what happened. This is what happens when it's a one-off. They're saying order is restored. They're they're playing or leaning into that card. Mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> take the victories where you can get them. Mm. No. All right. It's uh, not Campeones Cup, but it is La Liga on ESPN Plus on Thursday, 1 p.m. Eastern time. Kickoff between Luca de la Torres, Celta de Vigo against Alaves. That's a 10 a.m. kickoff here on the West Coast. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Speaking of the U.S. men's national team, where the Bellatonne plays, let's run it back. We'll start in Syria, where Christian Pulisic got a start for AC Milan in their 3-1 victory over Cagliari. He had an assist and also Herc set up the opener. Yeah, listen, Christian Pulisic in league play, he's been good. Six games for Milan, two goals, one assist. Set up a few others. Uh, he started every single game. They've only got one loss. That was that dismantling at the hands of Inter. He's been positive. Mm-hmm. As I mentioned, got the start. Played 69 minutes before coming off. Played at left wing, Herc. I know you love that. And uh, Milan, after this win, tied for first in Serie A. Herc, here's the assist. It's a, it's a, it's a generous assist. Is it really? Well, I mean, Ruben Loftus-Cheek does most of the work. Wow. Put it that way. Wow. He drew three guys to him down the wing and then gave it to the guy who was open. See that? I wouldn't say most of the work. Some of the work. (laughs) Christian Pulisic. There it is. His assist with AC Milan. Meanwhile, in Carabao Cup action, Tyler Adams makes his Bournemouth debut. Coming on as a sub in the 70th minute as Bournemouth beats Stoke City 2-0. All right, uh, out since March, uh, injury that happened at Leeds. Let me read you something that Bournemouth boss Andoni Irola said about Tyler Adams. Will help everyone. His characteristics as a player will fill a lot of what we need. Love that. Coming off that uh, hamstring injury, Bournemouth through to the round of 16 in the Carabao Cup. All right, it took 48 hours, Herc, but Santiago Jimenez finished off his hat-trick in Feyenoord's game against Ajax, which was abandoned over the weekend. The last half hour played on Wednesday, and Santi scored his ninth league goal to complete his hat-trick. <laughs> I don't care how long it takes. That's nine goals in six games, and this man is on fire! Santiago Jimenez with one of the weirdest hat-tricks you'll ever see. Two goals over the weekend. One in midweek. Here's a happy Santiago Jimenez post game from Amsterdam. Yes, yes. Uh, I can say that I'm really proud of my team. 
we deserve the win, I think so. We play really, really, really good. Then it's it's a shame that the game stopped like, like the way the, that it stops. But we keep focused, like I said. We train really hard these, these days. Well, we recover because it was a few days, but then we deserve the win again. So for me, it wasn't one game win, it was two wins. Not many strikers, uh, I, I, I can't, uh, can't think about it, scored uh, for final three goals here in the uh, Johan Cruyff Arena. Um, did you know that? No, I didn't know that. <laughs> I didn't know that and I give all the glory to God because that's why I'm here and that's why I, I make the hat-trick. Last thing, uh, you said that Arne is always tough on you. Uh, on Sunday, we saw you in the dressing room with, uh, uh, how you call it, with, uh, with, your, with your telephone and, and filming everything. That's not what Arne did like, eh? No, I don't know. He didn't tell me anything. Uh, that's the truth. But I, I just say to, to me, to myself, like, we haven't win yet. So I need to delay the video. But it looked like you were celebrating. Yeah, we were celebrating the 3-0, the but we, we have to play 35 minutes more. So that's why I delete the video. I make a mistake because we haven't won yet, but now it's finished. <laughs> Reporter that are working for ESPN or for HR? What's, what's <laughs> happening? Uh, Love a good Santi Stats full screen here on Football Americas. Presented by Expedia, Santiago Jimenez having a great start to his season in the air of his. Nos duele porque obviamente sabemos el esfuerzo que, que la gente hace siempre por, por venir. Estamos apenados por esta situación. Este no son los lugares donde debe estar Cruz Azul. No, pues están enojados por lo que pasó ayer en la cancha. Cruz Azul no. es una vergüenza. Y después por las fotos que es se sentaron. en la tabla general. Y todos así nos, nos sentimos, ¿no? Achicopalados por, por lo que está pasando. En lugar de bajar tu perfil, te vas a una fiesta, pues sí demuestra que no entiendes en qué equipo estás. No hay compromiso. Acuerdo. Conociendo a mis compañeros va a ser una larga noche para todos. Una larga noche, una larga noche, una larga noche. Los futbolistas deben de tener profesionalismo. Y no solamente es adentro de la cancha, lo, siempre lo he dicho, creo que es 24-7 ser profesional. Llegas a, a tu cuarto, empiezas a pensar qué es lo que está pasando ¿no? semana tras semana. Cada uno es responsable de lo que hace este futbolístico. Es un momento de mierda que estamos viviendo y así hay que afrontarlo. Big controversy this week in Liga MX. No surprise, it has to do with Cruz Azul. Lost over the weekend 3-1 to Querétaro. They find themselves 17th out of 18th in the table, one win in nine games. And as you saw, their former Mexico international, Carlos Salcedo, saying all the right things after the weekend defeat. Maybe not doing all the right things. Video surfacing of Salcedo, a bunch of Cruz Azul players partying in the aftermath of the loss. Obviously, uh, not gone over well with fans, media, etc. down in Mexico. Borderline red, Herc. Did Cruz Azul's players cross the line here? I mean, in reality, it's a yes, but a light yes, because... You want to defend the player so bad. No, I don't, but why are they mad? Like, why, why are people mad? Just listen to me for a second. Because the team is bad and they're celebrating. No, they're mad because they lose, because they're losing. Not because of the party, because if this was a team mm -hmm. that was winning and he threw a party with his family, okay, mm -hmm. 
And I didn't see any alcohol. And by all reports, there were family members and kids at this party. Nobody says anything. Nobody says anything. If, but because they're losing, mm, but we don't live in straw, that world. It's the straw that broke mm-hmm. the camel's back. But in this team, mm-hmm. they choose to have fake outrage over a player celebrating his birthday. Then the ownership that dismantled this team, a team that two years ago won a championship where only two players are left, Nacho Rivero and Jesus Escobosa. Those are the only two players that are left. Dismantled that team and it's going nowhere and nowhere fast. And yet they want to have fake outrage because of this. Now, I guarantee you, I know what happened. Okay? Mm-hmm. I'm going to let you in on a little secret. Yes. Okay? Carlos Salcedo's birthday? Yes. Wasn't even on that day! It's coming up, right? It's this Friday on the 29th! But he looked at the calendar and he's like, we gotta make this easy on ourselves. Do we have a better chance of beating Querétaro? Lowly Querétaro? Or league leaders San Luis? Mm-hmm. Nah, let's host my party after the Querétaro game. We're gonna get that W. Guess what? They didn't get right. that W. They lost 3-1 to one after poaching. Querétaro's best player. Angel Sepulveda, they signed their best player mm-hmm. and then still couldn't beat this team. And that's why people are upset. It has nothing to do with the party. With, with Listen, I know yes. Carlos Salcedo and you see Char- Charlie Rodriguez. I'm more upset that they're doing this lame party and they're spray painting <laughs> things on each other, not wearing a mask you know, than, than the actual party itself with family members. Like, but just to, like, you can say all the context, like, if this hadn't happened, if that, the reality is... The team is bad. Team's they terrible. are coming off a loss. Terrible. Another loss. It is Cruz Azul. So all of these guys, especially someone like it Carlos Salcedo, Cruz who's Azul, been on the national team. He's got two titles and what? Understand years? exactly how much pressure and scrutiny they're under. On top of that, this is not the first. That's why I think they did it that day. This is not the first Cruz Azul party gone wrong story, even this calendar yes. year that we've had. So this should have been heightened awareness. And on top of that, let's be honest about Carlos Salcedo. This is not his first time courting controversy either. No, but... This is a... I'm glad you brought that This is a really up. bad look I'm glad, at a I'm really glad you, bad time. I'm glad you brought that and if up. I, and if I were a fan of Cruz Azul, this is how I would feel. I would feel as though there was a lack of commitment. Okay. Right? And, and, and maybe you'll tell me as the pro that I'm wrong, but I, I am sure right now, if you ask Cruz Azul fans, they would say, falta de compromiso. They would say that it feels like this team is not committed when I look at the table right. and I see dudes partying like this. I'm sure that if you ask Cruz Azul fans who's more to blame for this bad moment, 99% of them are going to say this ownership, this board, because that's been the MO. Mm. Now, I'm glad you brought up the previous party. Cata Dominguez. Yes, this was back in January, right? Held a party, a narco themed party, and there wasn't as much outrage as this for Carlos Salcedo. Well, actually, the team has come out and said that Salcedo's not going to be punished. No, I'm talking about the outrage from the, from the pundits, right. the outrage from, from the people, this fake outrage. Where was this outrage from? Where was Cruz Azul on the table when they just did that party? Bad. Just as bad. Were they 17th out just of 18? Had they won one of nine? I don't know, but they were just as bad. Mm. Okay, on a free fall like they are right now. So there you have it. Uh, Cruz Azul in hot water, both uh, in the table and off the field. All right, let's transition to the women's game. We got some news from the U.S. Women's National Team. Well, potential news. U.S. Soccer Sporting Director Matt Crocker, speaking with reporters over the weekend, said they are still, quote, comfortably on track to have a head coach in place in time for camp in early December. Speaking of coaches, that was one of many topics we covered yesterday while speaking with U.S. Women's National Team defender Crystal Dunn. 
Our next guest joins us fresh off her 138 international cap from the U.S. Women's National Team in Portland Thorns. It's Crystal Dunn. 138 caps, Crystal. Where did they all come from? Great to have you back with us. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for being here. All right, so you're in Chicago still. I know you guys played against South Africa over the weekend, but you stuck around in the Windy City because they've unveiled a mural that's inspired not just by you, but Lynn Williams and Naomi Gurma as well. This is on the west side of Chicago. Tell us a little bit more. This sounds like an incredible honor. Yeah, I mean, it was actually really incredible to work with Naomi and Lynn. Obviously, our, we made the jokes of like, you know, we're not artists, but we are here to do our part and obviously growing the game and making it more interactive for, for young kids to be able to enjoy playing soccer. Um, and I think the greatest thing is um, the mural is placed in Chicago. Um, the image is of a person of color. Um, and I think that that's incredible for representation and visibility. But what's even more incredible is now kids have this ability to go out and just kind of kick this ball around and get better without the feeling of, hey, I need this big grass field to play and I need, you know, tons of friends to be able to uh, get better on that day. Yeah, credit to Allstate. I know they've been active in this space, you know, access for kids and sports for quite some time. So very cool. I was reading the, the press release here. and mm -hmm. a, a part of one of your quotes stood out to me. You said, that, you know, the current model for high level training is broken and prices out a majority of youth. I wonder, you know, what you feel like the impact of that is maybe on the on the national team, but also on the game at large in this country? Yeah, I mean, it's no secret that, you know, the U.S. soccer structure is the pay-to-play uh, system. Um, and I do think it prices out uh, young minority kids who live in inner cities who don't have all the resources um, to get better or have the equipment to play soccer. And I think uh, what's really incredible and what Allstate is doing with Black Star and the artist Dwight White is they're showing a new way of getting kids into the sport and falling in love with the sport. And um, I think the message has always been in the U.S. that you need a big field. You need all this. You need all this money to play the sport. And only in America, I feel like, is that really the case? I mean, you can really be an incredible, uh, incredible player um, and not have all of this. And I think creating coaching murals is a way for people to be able to be interactive with the sport and be able to really get better, but also enjoy it along the way without having um, that feeling of, oh, I need this, this massive space in order to get better and enjoy this game. I called it a mural. You're calling it a coaching mural. Crystal, is there coaching in your future? Is that what I'm hearing here? I mean, we'll see. We'll see. Now that I'm obviously on this project, I feel like it really makes sense. It's like, honestly, um, I think sometimes also when you show up to a field, it's kind of like, okay, what do I do now? And I think the really <laughs> great thing about this coaching mural is, you know, there's a crossbar challenge game. There's certain um, areas where you can hit a zone and you can kind of create point systems that allow you to kind of be even more precise with where you're trying to shoot the ball. And I think that that is something that I wish I had as a kid. Um, I, I think we're doing, we're doing it right now by our, our, our youth and just showing them kind of this new version of what getting better in this sport looks like. It doesn't have to look like how it looked 10, 15 years ago. It really, it really can be this interactive um, wall that you just now get to be a part of and hit the ball up against. Uh, obviously we're just coming off the, uh, the international window. What was it like being back with the team for the first time after the World Cup? Yeah, I mean, this was probably by far the wildest camp I've been a part of um, in my tenure with the national team. Um, we're saying goodbye to some greats. We're welcoming some new faces. Um, you know, we, we don't have a head coach right now. And, and I think it was a blend of a lot. But I think at the same time, it was such an incredible time for us to get together and, you know, debrief the World Cup, but also just kind of propel ourselves into this next phase that we're stepping into.
So I feel like this window was a lot about saying goodbyes, specifically Julie Ertz and, and mm -hmm. Megan Rapinoe. Let's let's talk about each one, but I want to start with Julie Ertz. Just mm -hmm. chronologically, she's the one who kind of steps away first. For me, the thing that best describes what Julie Ertz is, is that for years, the national team tried to replace her after she had stepped away and, and nobody could replace her. Why do you think Julie Ertz was such a tough player to replace? Um, I think... Julie just is an incredible player that you know exactly what you're going to get from her. She has been this um, kind of rock and foundation for the national team um, through her entire career here. And I think um, she's a ball winner. She's tenacious. She's she's always dominating her zones. And I think um, the reality is it's like we're all individually gifted. And I think replacing that is not what our message should be. You know, I think Julie is is one of a kind in her right. I think she is somebody who's um really been so key for us in just regains and being able to like win the ball back and um just in those I mean and goal scoring obviously with her head the back of her head specifically um <laughs> something very incredibly hard and I think um you know she's going to be missed I think she is at peace with her decision and I think that's a really incredible thing and a place to be because not every athlete gets to have the retirement of their dreams they don't always get to walk away when they want to um, and so I'm incredibly proud that she has been been able to give this, this give this game what she's given it, but also be able to walk away on her own terms. There were a lot of emotions around Juilliard's farewell, but one thing I was really struck with Megan Rapinoe's farewell is how much emotion was coming, not just from fans, but from her teammates. Why do you think, you know, her walking away was so emotional, not just for her, but but seemingly for you guys as her teammates as well? Yeah. Um, yeah, I was, uh, I was pretty sad throughout camp. I mean, every time I kind of glanced over at P, I was like, this is my last meal with you. This is my last, you know, walk to get coffee with you. Like it, I think what Pino has done for this sport goes so beyond who she was as a player. Um, it, it really just speaks to who she is off the field. And I think everything she's been able to do for the program um, off the field is just if not more important than her game on the field. I think everyone's going to remember her as this incredible crosser, someone who just hits people on the dime, um, amazing set play taker. Um, but I think everything she's really done for this federation, the fight for equal pay, the, the being our shield um, and being able to take on so much throughout her career is not an easy task. I mean, when you're a member of the national team, you're very much – trying your best to be the best player possible in this environment. And then on top of that, we know by wearing this crest, it means that you're playing beyond this game of soccer. You're playing to advance women's soccer, women's sports across the world. And I think she's, she's been able to be the leader in so many things. And just for her to be able to show up and still bring her most professional version of herself every day is um, no easy task. So I think, when people are going to remember her and, and remember her for whatever, it's going to be mostly be, be because she has done so much and take, took on so much throughout her tenure here. Crystal, you did mention during the last window, you guys were kind of debriefing the World Cup and everything that happened there. Do you have a better sense of, of what happened at the World Cup? Um, It's not even so much a better sense. I think everyone, you know, the main question is always, what happened? You know, that's the first question people want to people ask um, regarding the World Cup and the results. I think to me, success means 
multiple things are firing on all cylinders. You know, it's not one thing. It's not two things. It's, it's all things really working together. And I think if you have one piece, but you don't have two or three that are aligned, I think that's when you're going to, you know, get into murky waters and uh, maybe not have the results. And I think for us, like, we know it wasn't our best. We know it wasn't our best performances and we could have, uh, you know, created more goal scoring opportunities. I think we were pretty sound defensively one goal, um, in four games, and that's a collective group that's from the front to the midfield to the back line. Um, I think for us, it's like we know we can be better at just being um, a little bit more patient in how we want to play and how we want to break teams down. And so, you know, there isn't some hidden, you know, missing key that we're like, oh, aha, if we find this, that will make everything better. I think for us, it's like we just have to be better in just being a little bit cleaner on the ball. We have to be better in just connecting a bit more on the field. And I think those are things that I don't think are hard. I think we're going to have a new coach. They're going to have new a new vision and a new idea of how we want to play. And I think um, whenever that coach is announced, we're, we're ready and prepared to kind of put our best step forward and um, just be excited for this next tournament coming up. Was there a moment or a game that you felt during the World Cup was maybe the most frustrating? I'm imagining the most heartbreaking is after the the, the penalty shootout against Sweden. But was there a moment of, of frustration maybe other than that where you felt like, man, things are just not, not going right? Um, I mean, I think each game in general in a World Cup always has different challenges. So, you know, I think the Netherlands game, we go down 1-0, but we come back into the game and I think we actually created – a lot of goal scoring opportunities. So I guess that kind of was a frustrating game because we ended up tying. And in my opinion, I think we created enough to be able to get the job done and get a win in that game. And then, you know, the Portugal game was a zero, zero draw. Um, that game had a lot of craziness and wildness in it, but um, yeah, I think each game had its challenge and that's what playing in a world cup is like. It's like every team has a way and a style of play and they're going to bring their best version of themselves against the U S women's national team. Um, but I think looking back now, we realized that, you know, we could, we could definitely help each other out on the field more and, and just creating better opportunities to, to put the ball in the back of the net. Um, and that falls on everybody. You know, when I talk about goal scoring, I don't talk about the front three. I talk about the midfield and the defenders helping being able to build out in, um, creating better chances for us to, to get the results that we want. I got to ask you about the manager, Vlatko Inanovsky, because he's a guy, you know, I followed NWSL forever, who had a long track record of success, right? Like, he's mm -hmm. not a bad coach. There's plenty of data that suggests Vlatko Inanovsky is a good coach, knows what he's doing. Why do you think it it didn't quite come together with the national team? Um, You know, I spoke a little bit earlier about saying things just didn't fire on, on all cylinders, and um you know everyone's like oh well, was it the tactics and I'm like all right well here we go now if I speak about tactics you're going to automatically assume that I'm against the coach um and I think it's not even just tactics it's about execution it's about you know being able to on that day show up and put your best performance out there and when people people don't realize that in a world cup it's it's not about how you performed before this world cup it's like when that world cup starts that is when you you know you need to perform. Um, and I think we just, in each match, we just had moments where we weren't on the same page and whether it was tactics that we didn't execute or technical, tactical, whatever it is, the combination, I really do believe that in a World Cup, in order to be successful, like everything has to click at the same time. It can't be one thing because having one thing doesn't mean that that one thing is going to carry you through the rest of the tournament. Um, and I think 
you know, the Sweden game, I think we actually played well. I think we uh, created a lot of opportunities. Um, and then that's just sports. It goes to PKs and you just don't go through. Um, so looking back, I think we're all, you know, we were all heartbroken. We, you know, exiting a tournament earlier than expected is never an easy um, feeling. Um, and I'm still, you know, it still hurts a bit. But I think knowing that the Olympics is around the corner, I think gives us this new focus and this focus of, we don't have all day to sit around and kind of dwell on the results of the World Cup. We have right now, and we have these next moments to prepare us best for the Olympics. Let's look forward. Uh, there are the Olympics coming up. You will have a new manager. Uh, if someone from U.S. soccer came down to you and said, hey, Crystal, you know, give us some traits. What, what would you like in the next manager of the U.S. women's national team? What would you tell them? Oh, gosh, traits. Well, um, I think whoever steps in this environment one needs to be certain that they know how to propel us the way we need to, but in a way that's going to develop the long term of this federation, but also definitely the immediate short term. Um, I think it really is a matter of having the experience to be able to be like, okay, like I know exactly what I'm trying to accomplish. I know exactly the player pool that we have um, and getting the best out of the players um, versus kind of just coming in and being like, well, this is how I want the team to play. Well, it's like, well, this is, these are the players. You got to make sure that, you know, it it fits probably everybody's, um, you know, everybody's abilities. And I think that is definitely going to be on the coach to decide which route they want to go. But I think for me, just my hope is that the coach who steps in is going to be well-equipped to um, put us in the right place to be able to compete and hopefully win gold in um, in France. This summer was obviously, you know, very different from 2019 for you guys. In 2019, you guys were kind of in a head-to-head -head with your federation. Uh, it was tense, but I'm sure, you know, you followed nothing like what we've seen out of Spain and everything that's happened since they won the World Cup. I wonder just what your reaction was to that story and everything that we've seen in the last months since Spain lifted the trophy. And really, the focus has not at all been on what an incredible run it was for the team. Yeah, I mean, it is it's so unfortunate that an incredible team such as Spain um, achieves this World Cup win. Um, you know, they're this team that in 2019, we knocked them out in the round of 16 and then they go on to to win the whole thing. And um, it's just such a shame that their story is being clouded by all that is going on with the Federation. Um, I think the U.S. Women's National Team has supported uh, the Spain Federation and well, the Spain players. Um in their fight kind of against the federation of just wanting better. You know, I think as a, as a member of the U.S. Women's National Team, um, my hope is that, you know, we are always going to be allies to, to these players and being able to stand up with them and be able to, you know, be a helping hand. Um, the reality is, even though we play for di different federations, I think that is what's the incredible thing about being a member of this national team is that we play for so much then so much bigger than just us in this country. We are playing to advance this game globally. And I think Spain is definitely um, a team, a group of players that we are always close with and, and, and in their fight. And I think right now, unfortunately, their story um, is not spotlighted the way it should be. I mean, they're an incredible team and the world is so happy for them to have won this World Cup. They are so deserving of it. And it's just so upsetting that they have to deal with this. Crystal, before we let you go, I got to ask you about the National Women's Soccer League. Season's coming to a, an end not too far from now. Portland Thorns, like, does the regular season, does the shield matter to you guys? I know you're top of the table right now, but you guys are like a postseason team, right? Uh, we are both, first and foremost. I mean, 
I guess, like, let me speak for Crystal Dunn. I mean, mm. I would like to win everything. That is just <laughs> who I am. I've won shields before. I've won championships before. And to me, I want to win both. Um, there is a reason why, I mean, it's really hard to win both. I think sometimes you fall short of the shield and then you kind of get this new surge of fuel where you're like, all right, well, we lost the shield, but like, let's win the championship. And to me, I'm like, I want to win everything. So, um, yeah, we're, we're sitting in first right now. We're hanging on for dear life because that's what the league is about this year. Um, but we're excited and I want to win everything. So yeah, I hope we keep this thing going and walking away with two things to win um, at the end of this year. It would be great. I can't help but notice there's a very small list of unrestricted free agents uh, this this coming uh, end of the season with the NWSL. Your name is on it. I mean, what a what better time to be a free agent? What what's that experience like for you? Because that's something that's relatively new to American mm -hmm. professional soccer, um, yes. and certainly on the women's side. So um, what's it like? It must be like getting recruited to college all over again, right? It almost does. It really does. I mean, I feel like I am totally. Um, it, it, I'm excited, first of all, that a lot of players don't get to experience this. So for me, I'm like, yeah, I'm I'm all in. I do feel like I'm like shopping around kind of in a sense where I'm just like, I want to feel like I'm wanted and valued. And I think players need to feel that. I think it's an incredible um, new transition that American soccer players are feeling right now is like, let's get like the rest of the world, you know, like sign our contracts. And then when our contracts are done, like I want to feel like I can explore where my career should take me. Um, and I think that that is the future. I'm hopeful that um, it's not going to be as hard to be a free agent. I'm, I think that that could be something in our future where we are just more geared towards um, the global game. There she is, Crystal Don. Always great time and always great insight when you're with us. Thanks for the time here on Football Americas, Crystal. Thank you so much. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Always great to chat with Crystal Dunn. Take a look at her numbers from the World Cup. Four appearances for Dunn on the back line for the U.S. Women's National Team. All right, Herc, it's that time of the show. Let's check the mentions. See what our good friends from social media want us to discuss. Oh, here's one. From Football Report, in your opinion, Santi or Balogun? Wow. Right now? <clears throat> well, I mean, when, what do you, when, no, when else no, would you Like do? if there was a game Yesterday? tomorrow. No, listen. If yeah? there was a game tomorrow, who you put in as the nine? Yeah. I put in Santi. Let's go. Why, why Santi now? Because I'm worried about Balogun and how he's going to respond to those two penalty kicks. Okay, it's so a that's... a legitimate concern. Okay. New but, club, 
you started mm-hmm. in front of the captain. They gave you an opportunity. You missed not one, but two penalty kicks. That can affect the psyche of any young player. And he's only had one full season under his belt. So, yes, higher level than the area division. And I've mentioned many times what yes. I think about the area division and whatnot. But always take confidence over, over talent. Always take confidence over talent. And right now, the one thing that Santi has going for him okay. is how confident he is in front of goal. All right, so that confidence comes, especially in, in how you're talking about it, from what's happened so far this season. Balogun changes clubs, misses the two penalties. Jimenez doesn't change clubs, gives off to this incredible start. Plus, we're talking very specifically about Jimenez this weekend coming off a hat trick. Right. If, if you could step away from that, is I there a with, situation where you pick Balogun over Jimenez? Of course. When? What, what's the, what are the parameters there? Is well, that two months he, ago? He, is it only because Balogun missed these two penalties? No, it would be last season because he was doing okay. it at a higher level. And, okay. And you so Balogun starts scoring in the French League for Monaco, and he's back ahead of Jimenez no matter what Santi's doing. Well, I, I would say that's how it is in most leagues, right? Yeah. The higher the platform, the higher the level, the higher the team that you can perform, you will be ahead of certain players no matter how many goals they score at a lower platform. I just think it's natural. It just makes sense. Santi Jimenez has a massive ceiling, but we're waiting for him to take that next step. Listen, I answered a question today on, on FC in Spanish of, of if... if the Eredivisie is too small for Santi mm-hmm. Jimenez. Mm-hmm. Should he have left? Yes, he should have left. Absolutely, because look what he's doing right now. Yeah. You look at Ajax, Ajax is in shambles. You look at the, the Eredivisie. I mean, you can make a realistic case that if he scores another 20 goals, it's not going to help him improve or develop in any other way. He needs to take another step. He needs to take a, a, another step. You know where it will you know help him? It will boost that transfer value. Could be worse. Could hold him ransom somewhere else. Nah. You know how that works? Yes, absolutely. A good season's not going to hurt him. It almost, it almost hurt Balogun. You were talking about Inter. You were talking about Inter Milan. And he went to Monaco because of the transfer fee. Okay. So, uh, Santiago Jimenez or Balogun? I feel like that's a dis- discussion Excuse me, we're going to be having for years here on Football Americas. Next up on Check the Mansions. I didn't answer? I always go Santiago Jimenez. All right. Always go Santi. It's been my answer to every question about a nine since this show started. KMA Preston asked, do you think Greg can use his mediation experts to squash his beef with John Baruts? All right, we got to ask Greg Berhalter if there is beef with with John Brooks, right? Um, Ask John Brooks if there is beef with Greg Berhalter. Neither wants to say anything. Well, Brooks is healthy, right? Currently. And he's playing... He's playing. Let's, not, let's just leave well out of it. He's playing because that's objective, right? He's playing in the Bundesliga. Correct. And he's only and was 30, he in the, 31 years old. And was old. he in the September call-up? No. Okay. So who would you put John Brooks ahead of today in the center back depth chart? I'm just curious. Well, I think it's a very specific conversation, right? Because we're talking about left-footed center backs. No, it's not. I'm just asking you, who would you put John Brooks ahead of in a depth chart? Mm. So, what are we talking? We're talking Chris Richards, Miles Robinson. Chris Richards, Tim Ream are, are, are your one, two. But, like, if you think about Chris Richards. CCV, Austin C- So, CCV actually probably, honestly, CCV for me ahead of Chris Richards. Because I know everybody loves Chris Richards, and Chris Richards may be, end up being, like, the better player. I'm just saying on what we've seen so far. Chris Richards missed the World Cup. He's been injured. Like, we haven't seen a ton of him at club. Where CCV has, like... He has some real. He has a real resume. Yeah. So I would say. I would say if we're going off resumes and okay. looking at that center back pool, it's I don't agree with your. But okay, I'll take it. 
It's Ream, okay. Ream's resume, it's CCV's resume, and then it's Brooks' resume. It's Brooks over Chris Richards. That's what you're trying to tell me. So what I'm trying to get at here is um, I'm the first one who, who will scream from the rooftops like, mm-hmm. if the man is playing and doing well, give him an opportunity. Um, but that ship sailed. Like, Greg Berhalter's made it very clear that John Brooks isn't in his plans. He's lied to us right. on our airwaves and said that the reason that John Brooks wasn't playing was because he couldn't play in a high line. He was too slow and then puts Tim Ream in charge of that high line. So it's obviously something where he doesn't see John Brooks in his future. So no mediator is going to help Greg Berhalter with what tactically he thinks John Brooks can or can't do. Regardless of whether I want to scream from the rooftops that John Brooks deserves this opportunity or not. So if what we're saying is he's third, fourth, maybe fifth in that depth chart yeah. for some people, it's just not worth it for Greg Berhalter. That, and that may be fair enough. I mean, it is crazy to think because we probably spent more time on the number nine position during the last World Cup qualifying cycle. But I think we did focus a lot on center backs. And it was like a big area of, if not concern, discussion. Think about the state of the pool that you have a guy who is a lockdown starter in the Bundesliga on right now a top five team. Maybe that won't. Right, that could, that could, that could change. Hoffenheim, yeah, yeah, it could change. Absolutely. Shout out Pellegrino Matarazzo, our good friend. Um, and that guy's not good enough for your team. Right. You don't need that guy. Like, if, if any other team, Jaka Kafanat, you know, I think it's about unjust. it from the Mexico perspective. If Mexico had a, a left footed center back playing in the Bundesliga, he would be starting for the national team. No, because team. Mexico had a left footed center back playing in Serie A, and he wasn't even dressing for the Mexican national team. Mm. Johan Vasquez. He was half starting, he half starting never for played. a team that would get relegated. All right, last one here on uh, Check the Mentions. Who's had the bigger effect in American sports this year? Oh, I love this. Messi joining MLS, Deion Sanders coaching Colorado, or Taylor Swift dating NFL player Travis Kelsey? Right up our alley. Oh my God. Um, it's, it's hard in the, in the heat of the moment. Listen, Coach Prime's been insane. Like, but they lost, so we'll see how much that fizzles out. But I mean, man was on 60 minutes. He was captivating the nation, took a program. The ratings. The, the ratings, ratings were through are the like roof. historically good ratings for college And football. we know of the ratings. Mm-hmm. Like we can see there's tangible yes. evidence of these ratings. Mm-hmm. But there's also ratings for the Kansas City Chiefs, mm-hmm. for Travis Kelsey, with all these Swifties, I mean, Travis Kelsey's jersey, yeah. I mean, the percentage of sales went up like 400%. You know, he became a top five, you know, jersey being sold in a National Football League because of a recording artist. People are paying attention to if she will be at the next game versus the Jets. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, while I would love to say Messi because of everything we've seen, this Messi mania, yeah. um, I'm going to take Travis Kelsey here and, and Taylor Swift. Yeah, really, you're taking Taylor Swift. You're not, you're not taking Travis Kelsey. Well, he's part of the package. So for me, the Deion Sanders thing is amazing, and, and you know the Colorado story is great, but it, I think, just is getting a lot of sports fans to watch. The, the interesting yeah. thing about Messi coming here, and I think this also applies to the Taylor Swift-Travis course, Kelsey thing, is the crossover factor. You have people who never follow, forget MLS or Kansas City Chiefs. Or the Open Cup. You know, they don't follow sports. Yeah. Uh, and they're kind of they're kind of glomming on to this as a cultural phenomenon. I don't know that 
Deion Sanders is like, it's a sporting cultural phenomenon. Right, right. I don't know that it's You've got to be a Deion fan. I mean, I don't know. 60 minutes is a pretty big deal. It is. Um, but but the, the interesting thing here is that Messi and Taylor Swift, to me, are the link. Messi and Taylor Swift are not, you know, they're on the same level of, like, Q rating. And that says a lot about Messi because athletes don't always get to that elite entertainer Messi, level of he, Q rating. He's probably That's the, the most recognizable athlete human? on the planet. Human? Maybe. Uh, he's more recognizable globally than Taylor Swift, for sure. After the World Cup, right? Right? I'm not getting a lot of backup there. I think so, dude. I think so, globally. We'll see. She's, we'll a, see. she's, she's a music icon. I don't know. That, that's, I know. Yeah. All right, let's get to uh, one last thing on the rundown here. We had Teletigres, so now let's do some Sounders TV. It is dripping or dripping. The Seattle Sounders have unveiled a new team crest as part of a rebrand. Hercules Gomez, walk me through it. Yeah, so um, when I first played for the Seattle Sounders back in like 2004, my first go around, I took a picture with- What like, league, what was that? USL, was that USL or USL A League, A-League. yeah, yeah, yeah. I, outside of a parking lot is where uh, Adrian Hanover had his, uh, his little office. Um, anyways, signed my contract, did my picture, and the logo was the Orca. Mm-hmm. The, the Sounder, if you will, that's where the name comes okay. from. The Puget Sound, the mm-hmm. Wells or Sounders, the Orca's part of it. This Space Needle. Uh, when I heard about the rebrand, I was so opposed to this. I was like, come on, you ruined a great brand. Like something that actually has history, has tradition. And then I saw it and I'm like, yo, that's kind of hot. Nailed it. Yeah, yep. I, I hate rebrands, but that's the thing. Rebrands are so yeah. hard to get right. Like they there is a right. laundry list of failed MLS rebrand brands. The Chicago Fire is probably the the most recent. What you didn't like? Best the worst SB? example. Crew was terrible. New England Revolution. We I know we did a dripping or tripping on it. The, the logo was okay. flag was awesome. And they ruined it. I mean, you know, it's tough to do a rebrand. I think the Sounders nailed it. I, I'll give it. And as somebody, both of us have spent a lot of time in Connecticut. Right. Uh, lots of Hartford Whaler vibes, same color schemes, beautiful. So, if anybody wants to send gear, my Sounders, where you at? My Sounders, our good friends in Seattle. All right, so we will be back on Monday. No show Thursday, obviously. Well, it's like Thursday on the East Coast uh, if you're watching this live. But no show Thursday. We will be back on Monday with an exclusive interview with Lynn Williams Ooh. of the U.S. Uh, Women's National Team. Herc, before we get out of here, what you wearing, man? Oh, this little something. That little something. What's it say on here? You you talk tough, but you really, you're a berhaltista at heart. I am a verticality over everything. If you know, you know. There you go. All right. What are you uh, wearing? uh, I got to give a shout out to my friends at the uh, Oxford Soccer Club. They're in uh, Pennsylvania. A non-profit soccer club, doing it right, doing it for the kids. And now, Chito, get in here! At a very low cost, so there you have it. There we go, we got a little something for... Ah, what is this? Que lo cumpla feliz. I was so bitter when I did this. So, I had tried to keep this now, from Chito, everybody. Now, Chito, thank you, my man. Uh, many of you don't know, but it was Seb's... 40 or 30, that's what it said, 30. Birthday. That's a wrong graphic. We never make birthday. graphics mistakes on this show. That's a graphic error. birthday number 40, my man. <laughs> Thank you, brother. Thank you, brother. What are you? I don't get a. Mordida, mordida. Get in there. (laughs) I don't want to ruin it for everybody else. Venimos todos con gusto y placer a felicitarte. 
Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today.